You're listening to the G-Force Podcast, presented by Burke Brokerage Real Estate. Good morning, I'm Debbie Lewis. I'm here this week for the uh, G-Force Podcast. Ellie is here with us today. Ellie works with us as a buyer's agent. And our special guest today is Greg Brown of TWFG Insurance. Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Debbie. Good morning, Ellie. Glad to be here. And remember, TWFG New Orleans office. So I um, actually run Stephen Levecchio's office in New Orleans. We have um, just hired our seventh agent at a new location right on Robert E. Lee. So it's great to be here and great to talk a little bit about you know, when does insurance play a part in someone's getting ready to purchase a house, whether it's residential or investment property, or for that matter, even commercial. So um, the floor is open for me to talk about. So anything I can do to help your listeners and your clients, please let me know. Well, we all know how important insurance is in the home buying process. And it's the one thing that people, I think, get nervous about. So Ellie, since you work with a lot of buyers, um, Maybe you can ask Greg some questions about things that your buyers are concerned about when they're talking about insurance. When in the process, a lot of uh, buyers will ask, when in the process do you start looking into insurance? I'll start by saying the wrong answer is the day before closing. So you definitely do not want to wait till closing to start thinking about insurance. I advise my prospects, my clients that are looking for houses, and I know most of the good realtors here in the city say, as soon as you start thinking about looking for a house, you should start thinking about insurance and speaking to your insurance professional. Well, why would I bother with that when I don't even know where my house is going to be, how big my house is going to be, how expensive my house is going to be, what coverage I need, when I'm going to move in? I'm going to tell you why real quick. Because every area, especially in New Orleans, different areas have different rates. Different areas within the same zip, different areas within the same street can have completely different rates. A house, especially here in Lakeview, we have a lot of houses that are from mm, mid-50s to the 60s, right? We have a lot of new construction taking place right after the big storm. And even more recently, houses being built in the last two years. The insurance premium on those houses can just be astronomically different. So if someone is on a limited budget, like pretty much all of us would be, just some people's limits a little higher than other people's limits, you need to know, should I be on the north side of Robert E. Lee or the south side of Robert E. Lee? Should I be on uh, one side of Veterans or the other? Or should I be too close to the lake? So getting some type of a parameter on what insurance would cost would be, is it going to be in that eleven to Fifteen hundred dollar range is it going to be two to three thousand? Is it going to be three to seven thousand or even higher? A person needs to really know so their realtor can consult with them, find the right house that's going to fit their needs, but also meet their financial obligations. So the short question is, or short answer I should say is, as soon as you start thinking, you should start talking to your insurance professional. What kind of coverages do you think are vital for a homeowner to have? Well, obviously, if you have a mortgage, you have to cover the structure. That goes without saying. One of the most overlooked or least emphasized coverages are the personal liability coverages that go along with the standard homeowner's policies. Not to get too deep in the weeds, but, you know, usually that coverage starts at 100,000, goes up to a million, and then there's the umbrella liability policies that can be added on top of that. And as a, um, a personal rule of thumb, I suggest 
someone should have as much liability insurance as they can afford. And we don't need to get into the whole litigiousness of our society and all of the back and forth and why insurance rates are expensive, et cetera. But if you have a, I'll just throw a number out, a $400,000 house, you're probably making okay money, probably have a nice job, and you have a swimming pool, and perhaps you know a tragedy happens, someone gets hurt or injured or even worse, you want to have as much liability protection as possible. The days of $100,000 personal liability, in our professional opinion, are long gone. Um, I would use $500,000 as a starting point for someone that's got a swimming pool. Um, that's often overlooked. Uh, contents coverage, again, that's one of those really individualized coverages. Ellie, if someone comes to me and says, you know, I'm buying our first house, you know, we're getting ready to step out of the world of, of, of a tenant and we're buying a house and, um, you know, Debbie's representing or Ellie's representing, how much contents do I need? Can I save money? Well, how much contents do you have? If you're just moving out of a 600 square foot apartment, then you probably don't have a lot of contents. That can be escalated and increased as the time goes by. If you're moving out of a 3,500 square foot house on one side of the street and you're moving into a 4,000 square foot house on the other side of the street, then take it from there. But a lot of times I'll say, just walk through each room with a legal pad and just make quick notes of what's in there and just put an approximate value. You'll either be shocked because it's a lot higher than you thought or you're going to be shocked because it's a lot less than you thought. And I'm, you know, and some people have a $20,000 custom bed and some people have the, you know, mattress on the floor. Yeah, mattress on the floor. It's college days. That's the college right. days. So that that's two very important coverages. And there's also some some distinctions between the types of policies that are being written now in 2019 as opposed to post-Katrina in 2006. And one of those uh, big differences, the types of deductibles, um, wind and hail deductibles, which apply to your everyday thunderstorms like we have here every day, right. or a named storm uh, deductible where, you know, a hurricane or a storm that gets one of those official names, you know, when does that deductible apply and what is the amount? And those, you know, you remember right after Katrina, Deb, we did a lot of yeah. business together and things would go from that 5% deductible. Then a couple of years later, they ratcheted down to 3% and then more carriers entered the market. And now the deductibles are 2% or 1% or a flat 2,500 or some carriers as low as a thousand. Again, with the lower deductible comes a little higher price, but that's something that your insurance professional can work with you to make sure you get the coverage that's needed. So um, another question I would have is about flood insurance. And as we all know, you know, Orleans Parish was remapped in 2016, I think it was, and then Jefferson Parish last fall, I think right. 2018. And so a lot of people's a lot of people's property is now rated X. And I've come across this with several sellers. They're like, oh, it's X flood zone, so we don't have flood insurance. Maybe explain to our listeners how vital it is to have it, even if it, you're in an area that it is not required by your mortgage broker. A lot of buyers also don't understand the difference between X and AE and what remapping entails. Remapping is when they take a map and they remap it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome question, Debbie, because flood insurance in our area is just a 
tremendous component of that total insurance cost. So you have your house note, you've got your taxes, and you have your home and flood insurance that contribute to that monthly payment. And with flood insurance, even with the remapping and a lot of homeowners being moved from that quote unquote higher risk flood zone to that X flood zone, people say, oh, I'm no longer in a flood zone because I am not required to have it. Well, X is still a flood zone. In your, if you're in New Orleans or Jefferson, for all intents and purposes, you are in a flood zone. I guess, what was it, three weeks ago? And then before that, maybe a month and a half mm -hmm. ago, right. we had water that rose up and hit more than two properties within a certain amount of geographic area. That's considered a flood. That had nothing to do with a tropical storm or anything. It had to do with the everyday heavy thunderstorms and rain events. And a lot of people that were in that X zone that didn't see a drop of water in the past 15 years, suffered a good bit of damage. Right. So if you're in our area, which is in the metropolitan New Orleans area, right. you really should consider flood whether it's needed or not. You know, a lot of areas, um, the base flood elevations, not to get deep in the weeds, mm -hmm. but the base flood elevations were changed. They were actually lowered, so homes could be built a little bit lower as a result um of the, of the new improvements in drainage and the pumps and the flood walls, all those things we've talked about before, but it does not take away that risk. So homes that are now still below the base flood elevation, even after these map changes, are being severely penalized in the form of insurance premiums, which mm -hmm. makes it very difficult well, economically to insure the house. Right. The policy is available, but it's very expensive. But also, and it's important as from a realtor standpoint and from a homeowner standpoint, it's very difficult to sell that house Correct. when it comes time to make that life change or to sell that piece of investment property. Um, so homes that are built, you know, say in, in rough talk prior to 1974, that we get that pre-firm designation, the government's trying to phase out some of these subsidies, which right. is why you keep seeing changes every year and uh, legislation having to be uh, you know, kicked down the road and refunded. Is it going to be flood insurance? You know, we like to think there will always be flood insurance and all of those uh, laws will continue to be refunded or continue to be funded, I should say. But um, it's important to know those houses that are more at risk in those at-risk zones are going to continue to have ever-increasing flood insurance premiums. So the obvious question is, so what do you do if you have that house? Well, one, if you have flood insurance, make sure that policy stays in effect with no lapses, et cetera. It makes it easier to transfer that policy. Any type of grandfathering that may exist for that house can be conveyed to that next owner. And then also uh, considering, you know, one of the great shoring companies. You know, we have several here in the area. they got a lot of experience over the past, you know, 15 years or so um, to look at getting that house elevated because sometimes that, Forty to 60000 whatever it's going to be, will be recouped in the form of lower insurance costs for flood insurance throughout the course of X number of years. And also the availability of selling that property to someone that wants right. to, as opposed to having to discount it to that purchaser. Right. So um, even with all the flood changes, it's made... It's a better economic situation for most people, Ellie, because a lot of people did move in the X, which... In general, that flood premium is about $480 with a handful of dollars per year increase, as opposed to they may have been paying $11, $12, $1,500 right. prior. 
And yes, a lot of people foolishly did say, I'm in X, I'm canceling flood. Our phones at TWFG rang off the hook the day of that flood a couple weeks ago and the day after. after. And as always happens, um, I guess we're all we're all guilty of it. We react to something that's taking place. So when we returned some of those calls that next day and started talking about the flood insurance availability, the low price in that area, the mandatory 30-day wait for coverage, and a lot of folks would be, well, you know, we did okay. The flood wasn't that bad. We'll wait till next time. So, Can you expand a little bit on... If you do secure flood insurance and you don't have a mortgage on your home, how long it takes for the coverage to be in effect? Or if you do have a mortgage on your home, how quickly can the flood insurance take effect? If a federally recognized lender is going to hold a mortgage on a pop, on a property and it's being set for closing, there is no wait. And that's regardless of whether it's in a flood X flood zone or not. Because if an X flood zone, your mortgage company is not going to generally be escrowing that premium. It doesn't matter if it's required. It matters if, if it's a mortgage. a mortgage on that property. If it's a loan where, um, you know, Debbie Lewis is lending Greg Brown, you know, $500,000, you're not a federally recognized lender, et cetera, et cetera, a lot of legalese. So there would be a 30-day mandatory waiting period. If you come to me and you say, hey, one of my clients is buying a house for cash tomorrow. Can you get me flood insurance? Obviously, the answer is yes. We do it all the time. But there's going to be a 30-day waiting period. Um, and again, I'm talking generalities. There's a few exceptions here and there. There's some more legalese that's in there. But that's one another reason you want to really get ahead of the game when you're shopping for a home or refinancing or maybe financing for the first time a property you already own because you want to know what those costs are going to be. And uh, if I can just add on to that, a lot of times people will say, well, my flood insurance should only be and I'll make up the number $1,000 because the guy across the street pays 1000 and the lady two houses down from me pays 1000 And I say, well, great, but each house has its own unique elevation. I'm talking about homes that are in, you know, the, the A-flood zones primarily. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to eyeball from the middle of the street and see if one house is two inches higher than another or two inches lower. You must have either an assumption of an existing policy or primarily a new flood elevation survey, which it's not expensive, it doesn't expire, uh, it gives you the accurate to the you know tenth of the foot, tells you just how to rate that home, tells you if any adjustments need to be made, maybe there's a hot water cabinet in the back of the house and that needs to be vented to avoid being raided. Uh, maybe there's been some changes in the zone or the base flood over the past couple of years. And you, know, you need to make sure that you're being rated correctly, covered correctly, and you understand there's going to be a waiting period, how deductibles apply, what's covered. So it gets a little complex, um, but that's what a, a good insurance professional is there for. And I always encourage people to, you know, to speak to someone to really get the right advice before you sign that contract before Ellie puts in that offer to that seller. That's the kind of things you want to do. And I know you mentioned how important it is to be proactive about insurance. And I like to point out too, and I'm sure Ellie is aware of this, that, um, you know, not being able to get insurance uh, is not a reason to cancel a contract because our contracts are written that it's 
you know, the buyer's responsibility during their due diligence or inspection period to investigate all those things and make sure that the insurance costs are going to be affordable for them. And every time we get into a contract with a buyer, we always send a follow-up email saying, this is your due diligence period at this point. Figure out every cost with homeowners insurance, flood insurance, et cetera. And there's a lot of things that that go under that rubric of doing due diligence Mm -hmm. that based are based really upon how that house is constructed. And New Orleans is sort of unique. I like saying that because we're all kind of a unique, unique set of yeah. people. But um, things like asbestos tile roofs, things like asbestos siding, which lasts forever. Greg, this will last forever. The insurance company should love it. Yes, but when it breaks and it has these issues, it requires special demolition, et cetera, et cetera. So it's very difficult, not impossible, but very difficult. And that's... Um, sort of insurance speak for could be very expensive, if you will, to get that insurance on that house. So someone needs to know up front. And maybe that's a factor in why the house is being sold at a, maybe a below market price. Right. So you need to figure in what it, will it cost to have these old asbestos slate roofs replaced or repaired, to have asbestos siding removed and have the more modern hardy plank or vinyl or whatever it's going to be put onto there. Um, does the house need to be elevated to make the flood insurance, you know, prop, or does it just need venting, which again may cost anywhere from $200 to cut little holes in the bottom of a hot water cabinet, or it could be several thousand dollars to have some bricks removed and some nice great work or some what they call engineered openings installed. So there's a lot of factors that you need to know during that due diligence period. And if you speak to someone that's not familiar with our homes here. If you're talking to someone on a 1-800 number, um, and we deal with some certain underwriters that are in other states, they usually have someone dedicated to Southeast Louisiana because our home building style is different. Basement is different to us than it is to someone in Chicago, as you know, and try to explain that to someone that's never seen a home here. Um, You know, the construction material is different. The style is different. The risk is different. The level of modernization Mm -hmm. and update is all different. So you really want to speak to a, you know, a local hometown agent that knows what they're talking about and can represent that risk to the insurance carrier to get the best rate, but also to the buyer to make sure they understand what they're getting into for the long haul. Yes, we can maybe do something now, but you know, five years down the road, maybe that flood insurance is gonna go up 12% a year until it reaches some mythical, magical number. You know, the the buyer, the people you're representing need to know those kind of things. What are uh, some other factors that might um, affect an insurance premium? Like, you know, knob and tube wiring or old cloth wiring or galvanized pipe, are those things that can affect the premium for homeowner's insurance? They really are. Those type of things, we call them usually the four points. So you've got your electrical system, obviously, old time knob and tube and cotton wiring and fuses. Those would be in the bad category. Modern, proper, properly amped uh, circuit breaker panels would be in a good category. Galvanized piping, for the most part, is in the bad category. Some companies really do not accept it. Or put some type of a limitation, Mm -hmm. water damage limitation. So you want that plumbing to be proper. The roof, you want that roof not only to be modern of design, but also not to have the granular loss that takes place when a tree rubs back and forth or the heat builds up so much here that, you know, a shingle that's designed for 25 years 
in New Orleans and Jefferson may only get 15 years, depending upon how it's positioned, et cetera. So you want a good four-point inspection included in that house inspection during that due diligence period so the insurance agent can see what are the years of the updates, when was that air condition installed, when was that heater um, furnace serviced. You want to look at those type of things, and it needs to be looked at in a whole. So those things can affect the price of the insurance policy tremendously. So not having that information makes it difficult to generate a truly accurate rate. And one other thing that's not related to the house that goes to your question of what really affects the insurance premium, every year more and more carriers are basing premium to some degree, not just on location, geography, material, but also the quote unquote credit score, insurance score, if you will, Mm of the buyer. So someone that has a better credit score, has a better insurance history, there's some other factors um, that that go into deriving that score, will get a better insurance premium because statistics show that someone's credit worthiness and insurance credit worthiness is a predictor of claim history, upkeep of the house, future losses. Mm-hmm. And when you really sit and think about it, there's some truth to that. Right. Because someone that maybe is having a harder time meeting their bills, and we've all had those you know, points right. in our life, so nothing, not, nothing disparaging, but if you have a harder time meeting your bills and you need to do some preventive maintenance that's not a crisis, you're probably going to put that off a little bit. Right. Even if it's a shingle or maybe it's a little rotten wood around a windowsill or maybe it's a crack in a sidewalk or a handrail that's wobbly, rather than spend... 150 to a thousand dollars on something preventative, changing out the um, the braided piping behind, you know, the, mm-hmm. the the toilets in the uh, bathrooms, those type of things. You're more apt to take that money and apply it to your bills that may be past due. So that's another big big factor that involves uh, the pricing and the overall final cost of that insurance product for your customer. Not just the taxes, not right. just the price of the home and the amount of the loan. How does insurance change um, price-wise, whether it's owner-occupied or an investor looking to buy? Well, I know that on the flood insurance, you pay the two fifty nine owner-occupied, and then the homeowners, I'm sure, is higher. I mean, you might save on contents coverage, but you might pay more in the actual coverage, But so it might be a break-even scenario. That's really a great question, Ellie, because when someone's looking at an investment property, some of the coverages are going to be different. You don't necessarily need as much contents coverage. So in that portion of the policy, you can see some type of a savings. However, overall, you know, the, the coverages are still going to be broad forms or special forms. Not going to be a big difference in price ordinarily on the hazard side of things. Um, again, liabilities of, of you know paramount importance. Mm-hmm. That's something we like to discuss what the exposures are for someone buying investment properties, whether it's a half owner, half tenant duplex, or someone buying a, you know, eight unit apartment complex or a condominium complex. Flood insurance is another area where the difference between ordinary residential owner occupied and investment property can be. Ordinarily, the flood insurance is going to be higher at least by $225 on that rental property because of one of those new federal fees as they continue to try to fund to make sure we do have the access to the flood program. but then again, you can offset some of that with not as much contents, if any. So you can try to minimize 
you know, what do you need? What what's nice to have versus what is really needed on the flood policy? But again, going back to what we first started talking about, you really want to know beforehand. You know, we've had stories where a client's gone to an auction, saw a house that was selling way below what all the other homes in the area, general area, were being sold at, purchased it, wrote the check, put money into it, got it renovated, called us to get the flood insurance and the insurance uh, dwelling insurance lined up. And that house was, you know, two feet below the base flood elevation. The insurance premium was, you know, $5,000. They were expecting it to be $1,000. Their entire business plan was just blown at that one fell swoop, mm -hmm. making it difficult to cover their expenses if it's going to be a rental property, mm -hmm. making it difficult to sell if they were going to try to flip the house. So, you know, those concerns really are important for an investor to really make sure everything's lined up before they pull that trigger and sign that contract with you all. Well, Greg, we so appreciate you coming by to talk to us today. Um, we value our um, relationship with you and we, as you know, are happy to refer our clients to you. So um, thanks again for stopping by. Well, we appreciate it. It's good to work with real professionals from the real estate side, as well as, you know, different vendors we use, you know, title companies and lenders, et cetera. If there's any questions that might come up as a result of some of our discussions, you know, my office is on Robert E. Lee at TWFG Insurance. Our website is TWFGNOLA.com. And my direct line, and believe it, I answer it. If I don't answer it, my licensed assistant, Holly, answers it, and she will find me is 282-0112, 282-0112, or just email me at gbrown at twfg.com. Thank you again for having me, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the G-Force podcast presented by Burke Brokerage Real Estate. Please subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes, and visit us online at gforcebygg.com.